Welcome to Knit British, the podcast that explores all the connections of Britishness in wool, fibre and knitting. On this journey, meeting all of the people involved, from sheep to skein, I am your host, Louise Scully. Knit British and love local wool. Knit British is delighted to be sponsored by our first woolly mucker, Christine Perry. Christine is Winnick Mum across social media and blogs at winnickmum.blogspot.co.uk. On her needles at the moment, Christine has socks in the new candy floss colour of West Yorkshire Spinners signature sock and is also designing in the Dilton Flock Border Leicester yarn for some upcoming sock tutorials. Listen in to the show to find out about Christine's first big cast-off memory and also about her favourite yarn and pattern and much more. Thanks so much to Christine for sponsoring this episode of the Knit British Podcast. Hello and welcome in to episode 80 of the Knit British Podcast. It feels like forever ago that I sat down to podcast, uh, but it's not really that long ago. I was here with my fantastic friend, Caithness Craft, where we unpacked Edinburgh Yarn Festival. The podcast is here with me today, looking rather expectantly at me. Uh, I hope she's going to be good. Are you going to be good? She's found a lovely pile of papers to lie on, so it's probably going to be quite scruffly over over here today. (laughs) Seriously, thanks so very much for all of your feedback from that last episode with Louise. We really enjoyed doing it and... We should do more, really, because it was fun and it was absolutely lovely having her here and sharing Edinburgh Yarn Festival with her in that way and with you guys too. And so thank you very much for all your lovely comments on that episode. We really enjoyed doing it and we loved hearing what you had to say about it. So thank you. It's been so good reading all the blogs and listening to other podcasts on the subject of Edinburgh Yarn Festival 2017. And if you don't already know, over in the Edinburgh Yarn Festival Ravelry Group, there is a thread for blogs and podcast links uh, that you can kind of work your way through. Um, Three weeks later, and I can safely say, while I might be over Edinburgh Yarn Festival, I certainly it's certainly not a distant memory. Um, and if you were there yourself or if you've listened to other shows, you'll know that everyone talked about feelings of connection uh, with the community and to the knitting community at Edinburgh Yarn Fest. And it's such a totally unique festival Uh, for those feelings I think because no other yarn festival I think works quite so hard at providing such a social aspect you know for 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 the festival goers and not just for the festival goers but for the vendors and the teachers too um you know speaking to a wide range of people we've yeah every everyone seems to find it very special Jeremy do be good now Jean (laughs) 
you're really messing up my delivery here. Um, yeah, it's it's sure. Yeah, so it, they 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 really work hard on really really pushing the wonderful social aspects, and I do think that's. I mean, I've I, I've been to a lot of rule events, and I do think this is really quite unique to them. And whether you know you had ages to catch up with people that you haven't seen since the last Edinburgh Yarn Festival or or catching up with people for the first time, you know, that you know off social media and you're you're seeing them there for the first time, whether you had a long time to do that um, over the whole weekend, you know, at the knit night, at the Cayley, at the brunch, all of these fantastic uh, opportunities provided to Edinburgh Yarn Festival goers to meet and socialise or whether you just had a quick chat or even just you know a wave across the room a little nod a salute um a pat on the shoulder as you're passing on by a little you know reassuring touch on the elbow not to be too over overly familiar because I do not like that but um just those kind of things like you know you'd encounter people in the passing say Carrie or passing on I was passing on Jess's stall at Ginger Twist or or Leona and Gemma at Rusty Ferret and just a little you just wanted to just give a little you know I don't know a, a touch on the elbow a little pat on the on the arm just to say I'm here I see you isn't this wonderful you know it's a sharing of of that incredible experience I think and that that isn't a distant memory that stayed you know it's just so lovely and you've just you know I feel so rooted in that community and I'm I know I'm not the only one that feels like that after Edinburgh Yarn Festival and again we said at the end of the last (laughs) episode Louise and I but thank you Joe and Mika thank you so much for all the work that you do to, to create that and uh, it's not easy and there are always critics um, but I think biased as you may think I am but primarily I take part in Edinburgh Yarn Festival because it's so special and I just think it's an incredible thing that you too do so thank you so much to you and all of the volunteers who help implement those plans and I I'm really looking forward to Edinburgh Yarn Festival 2018. The official photos of Edinburgh Yarn Festival are now online for you to view at edinyarnfest.com. There are some cracking ones there, really, really great. The, there's the Knit Mastery photo booth. There are pictures from the Cayley by Melina. And uh, Jenny Reed, Dave Fraser and Amy Ryan took photos uh, during Edinburgh Yarn Festival and their images from the marketplace and around are spectacular, really, really good. You know, they're just lovely and they capture all of the wool and knitwear and the vibe in that community. Uh, So do check those photos out. Post-Edinburgh Yarn Festival... I'm finding myself slowly starting to take pins out of ideas and plans for Knit British that I've, you know, I've had to necessarily uh, stall or, or come back to because of Edinburgh Yarn Festival and podcast lounge planning and all that kind of thing. And it, it takes me ages to really get over something like Edinburgh Yarn Festival, as I've said. And I've spoken to you before about 
anxiety. Uh, and also, I know I'm not the only one who who goes through that kind of thing and feels that they kind of have to work up to go to an event like Edinburgh Iron Festival to get ready for it. Um, like, for example, I would not let myself feel truly excited about Edinburgh Iron Festival until the day before. And I think that's just part of how I package it up, you know, so that I'm ready for it. You know, digestible chunks, I think. But it's genuinely lovely going to these kind of events and uh, chatting with people and it's going to events like this that remind you that people do listen and are there and are, you know, total ambassadors. And it was lovely because, I think I said last time, everyone that I spoke to who came up to me who just said, sorry, I don't want to interrupt, but I just want to tell you or wanted to sit and tell me at length how much they enjoy the podcast and you know, saying things like don't stop your little rants and don't stop swearing. Mark that podcast as explicit. We don't care if you if you want to swear, swear away. Um, all that kind of stuff. That was just awesome and incredible. And thank you very much if you if you stopped to tell me how much you enjoy the podcast because that really, you know, it brings it home to you at something like Edinburgh Iron Festival. But also... Again, I think it's part of the sort of, you know, anxiety and building up to events like this. But I I kind of get a little bit breathless. Um, I don't show it, you know, I just kind of smile and I'm always polite. But um, I kind of get a bit breathless at requests like, you know, as I say, it's genuinely lovely chatting. uh, And, you know, folk tell you what Knit British means to them but then you get requests like I know you're already busy but don't you think you ought to open a Knit British shop uh, couldn't you just vend Edinburgh Garden Festival as well as do the podcast lounge why you know why don't you set up um, a co-op cooperative for small producers why don't you make a Knit British yarn couldn't you just do more Knit British meetups and why don't you do a podcast lounge at other events and why you know <laughs> there's there's lots of, of 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 things like that that I get asked and as I say I'm always polite and it's really lovely that you you know people feel that involved with Knit British that they think I should be doing more but you know talk about asking a busy person I think I'm always very clear on here that Knit British and the podcast is just one of the things that I do. And I, you know, I don't talk about my private life a lot, although it might sound to you that I am. I don't talk about my job. I don't talk about a heck of a lot of things. But I do allude to them. And yes, some of those suggestions are awesome and things that I have plans that I am, you know, taking pins out of. And I will tell you about those things as and when I'm ready to do so. But phrases like, but couldn't you just, or you know what you should do, or I know you're busy, but I mean, the latter one, I'm, I, I suppose we're all guilty of doing that. But if you already know someone's busy, why even bother them <laughs> with the question? I mean, they do, unfortunately, sometimes fill me with anxiety. And while I will always be polite, I'll always be honest too and say that thank you so much for for that interest and and for wanting more from Knit British. But I kind of have to, 
in managing my own expectations, I kind of have to manage yours too about Knit British. So um, be patient is all I can say. And, you know, if if hopefully you're enjoying the podcast, you enjoy the blog and that's enough for now. <laughs> but in the meantime, if you want to host a Knit British meetup for like-minded Knit British souls, you get right on that please feel free to do that, like Maz Knitter has done uh, recently. On Saturday, they had uh, she organised a meet-up of Knit British Ravelry Group members in Bristol. They all had an awesome time at, at the Yurt Lush in, in Bristol. There was much knitting. They brought, they brought British wool from their stashes to show off and squish. There were some cocktails being had... Um, <laughs> and they had they had an awesome time and you can read about what they got up to in the Knit British Ravelry group and you can do that too you know the, please feel free to do that if it's somewhere that I can get to and I have noticed I might come along too if that's possible so you can definitely do that you can definitely have your own meetups you don't need me to organise them and things like more podcast lounges well you know the podcast lounge is very much an Edinburgh Yarn Festival event. It's part, again, part of what makes Edinburgh Yarn Festival so unique. And so I wouldn't do a podcast lounge anywhere else, although I would be happy to take part in podcasting activities, events and attend podcast meetups. But there is only one podcast lounge at a knitting event and it's at Edinburgh Yarn Festival. So again, pins are coming out of plans, but slowly... And so, so uh, I hope that that that's that's okay, and you you can you can go at my pace. Um, you know, managing expectations again is something that people fight with a lot, and I and I find that particularly having struggles with mental health, it's really kind of good for me to try and manage realistic expectations. However, that cannot be said for my knitting expectations oh my goodness you guys I'm having such trouble at the moment because so many things are vying for my attention are you finding this just now is it something about spring oh my goodness there are too many fantastic patterns I am already thinking that I need more lightweight tops Uh, I wore uh, my Talavera Edinburgh Yarn Festival and I was so glad that I did because it was light and lacy and airy and it was so warm at the Corn Exchange. So I'm already thinking that I need more of those kind of things. And I, there are a few contenders for that. I really like the Gemini jumper, short-sleeved uh, top from Knitty from a few years ago and also the uh, shawl sweater by Suzanne Summers, although that's four ply, and ooh, I don't know. I could, don't know if I could do a stockinette four ply. It needs to be kind of lacy or have some sort of linen-y light kind of quality. So those kind of things have been shooting into my mind. And then also uh, Frankie Hughes' lime bitters lacy sweater from uh, the April issue of Knitting Magazine, also vying for my attention I just don't know I mean what do you do with when you have lots of things that you want to knit and think that you can knit I mean do you cue them and 
just try our best to work through them? Or do you set more realistic goals like, I want to knit this, so I am going to knit it and this is how I'm going to do it? Or do you just cast on with wild abandon and let the whips pile up? I find those, I find that a bit difficult, that last one. But I'd like to know how you do it and how you manage expectations of all the things that you want to knit and all the yarn that you want to buy. It's, it gets a bit overwhelming, doesn't it? How do we manage our knitty, yarny expectations? Answers on a postcard, please. One of the things that has uh, definitely caught my eye recently and is something that is a lot more easier to manage is the Year of Techniques by Arnold Culliford Knitwear. My motto is always, and you hear me say it all the time, that there's always something new to learn when it comes to knitting and craft. So I was totally delighted to hear about Jen and Jim's year-long project, which has uh, designers featuring... 12 techniques that will add to our knitting arsenal. Each month comes a new technique, small enough to be completed in a month. There's an accompanying article and also tutorials. And there will be cals each month as well for each of the techniques. So there's great online chat uh, on Ravelry and social media around the year of techniques. So I'd be surprised if you haven't heard about it. Uh, the techniques will include things like afterthought heels and thumbs, grafting with garter stitch in Tarsia, Judy's ma- magic cast on, uh, short rows, steaks, uh, heel turning, pinhole cast on, uh, colour dominance in Fair Isle, and helical stripes, which uh, is in the first technique, which came out in March which is in the Hyacinthus Wrist Warmers by Jen. And designers include Bristol Ivy, Ella Austin, Ella Gordon, Martina Baim, Mary Jane Muckleston, Rachel Coopy, Romy Hill, Tinkan Knits, Willie Wormhead and Sarah Hatton. And I just think this is a wonderful project. And I bet there are loads of those techniques and those designers that are making your ears prick up right now. And even if we, you know some of those techniques... I think it's great to put a new focus on it and maybe, you know, learn something new out of, out of skills that you may already have had a little bit of experience with. I am particularly looking forward to uh, the techniques on intarsia and mastering colour dominance in Fair Isle, knitting on a border, that's another one, and cables from charts and also garter grafting. So you can look out for me talking about those uh, or some of those as they crop up because Jen has kindly given me a copy of this to review. I think that there are aspects of this because I'm so interested in the learning process and adding value to the skills that we already possess and and because we are skilled craftspeople and we do learn on the job. So and that's been a big part of some of the episodes at sort of the end of last year and something that I intend to talk more about over the year and I'm really chuffed to to have been asked 
to to review it. And as I say, I will be I will be looking in particular at the techniques that I myself feel I could definitely use some help with. I hugely connect with that the ideas of constantly brushing up our skills. So I'm really looking forward uh, to seeing more uh, from the Year of Techniques and giving a good go um, to some of these. Uh, if you want to take part, uh, you get a pattern each month. April will April's will be coming shortly, um, as we are on. I can't believe this is the end of the month already. You can choose to have the final book as an ebook or as a print book, because all of the techniques will be brought together into a book come September. It costs nineteen ninety nine, and you can get all the information at acnitwear.co.uk. And uh, really look forward to seeing what the next technique will be. It is time to introduce to you the Knit British Wooly Mucker for March. And that is Christine Perry, who you may know as Winnick Mum. Uh, she, she's Winnick Mum across social media and also blogs at winnickmum.blogspot.co.uk. And it's W-I-N-W-I-C-K, Winwick. <laughs> but it's pronounced Winnick. She is also on Ravelry and has sock designs on there. And I really want to, with each mucker who has been... If you're new to the podcast and you're not quite sure what, what the Knit British Wooly Muckers are, uh, this year I made uh, 10 spots available to listeners who want to sponsor an episode of the show. So those spots sold out in record time and there are 10 woolly muckers who I will be introducing you to each month and each of those are sponsoring that episode of the show and every time I bring you uh, an episode with our woolly muckers I hope to also bring you a, a short interview with each of them. I kind of wanted this to be a little bit like Inheritance Tracks on on Radio 4. I don't know if you listen to Inheritance Tracks, but uh, basically a famous person will tell you a song that they feel that they have inherited and then a song that they would like to, to pass on, uh, to leave for future generations. And of course, it's not so easy to do that with knitting and wool, but I think the two questions that I have asked... Uh, and I will ask all the muckers, encompass quite a lot and will tell you a heck of a lot about uh, their approaches to knitting, their knitting career to date almost, and will tell you a little bit about the the wool and the designs that they feel uh, will leave a legacy and are, are important. And so, without further ado, I would like to introduce you to Christine Perry, this month's Knit British Wooly Mucker. Okay, so Christine, what was the first thing that you remember knitting and what was the last thing 
that you cast off? Well, do you know, I found this really difficult to think about because I don't actually remember anybody saying to me, you sit there and I will teach you how to knit. It's just, it's just something that, that um, I, I, I remember being quite small when I could do it. And I remember my nan being involved because she, she was the knitter of the family. And I know that if I got stuck, I will have gone and asked my mum, but she will have probably pointed me back in the direction of my nan because she was... She was, she was better, and my mum my uh, didn't do a great deal of knitting. Um, but um, my nan also taught me to crochet, and during my teens, I, I did more of that because it's faster, and you need something fast to show <laughs> when, when, when you're that age. So um, I, I tended to do lots of blankets, and, and, and at one point I was really into um, what's now known as amigurumi. And, and, that, and then, then, then the knitting came back. But by the time I was about 12, I was given a Reader's Digest Complete Guide to Needlework book for a birthday. And that was, I'd had all these sections on, on, on different kinds of crafts. And, uh, and at the end of it, there was a, a big knitting section. And I, I remember working my way through all the samples. So I practiced techniques as opposed to really creating something. So I'd have a go at colour work and I'd have a go at lace and I'd have a go at cables and and because nobody had ever said to me, oh, that's too hard for a beginner. And you just, you just wade in, don't you? So so that that's sort of the sort of stuff that I did when I was little. I don't remember ever knitting toys or, or, or knitting clothes for toys or, or anything like that. And, but my, my big memory was when I was about 18, I saw the most fabulous jumper in, in, in a yarn shop. And it was 1980s, so it was a fabulous jumper it was black and white and rainbow entrelac squares and it was just oh i looked wow. at it absolutely in love with this jumper and it was designed by somebody called christian de falba who sounded very exotic and not at all like the patterns that you'd normally see in a yarn shop where there's a family usually by a fishing boat all wearing the same sort of jumper in, in varying sizes and with slightly different different patterns on them so th this looked really exotic and i went home and said to my mom i need this jumper i need this jumper i'm gonna die so she <laughs> She said, knit it for me. And she said, no, get your needles out and do it yourself. So so I had to think about whether I was prepared to sacrifice myself for this jumper and decided that, no, I was going to knit it myself if nobody else was, was going to do it. And, and that's, that's what I did. And there was there was no internet. There was no, I had no books on it or anything. So the pattern must have been very well written because my first big project was a large entrelac jumper. Um, and and then from from there, having having done it, because so so you just need the incentive. You need something that you really really want to knit. And for me, this was that jumper. And at that point, once I'd done it, I looked around. And I said, right, what else can I do? And the yarn shop in our village had just changed ownership, and and the, the lady who owned it brought in. Uh, Rowan, which I'd never heard of, and she had um, patterns by this wonderful designer called Kay Facet, who I heard of and she said oh come and knit my samples for me so so that's what I did I got my hands on all all these these cave facet kits and so there was intarsia and color work and um and and I, I did that for quite a few years um until got married had a family and then it all went back to baby jumpers and nothing you know no, nothing particularly exciting until until the day that I was in a different yarn shop and I was paying for my yarn the lady said ah have you seen this new yarn on the counter? And I said, oh, what, what's that? Then she said, it's great. It makes a sock. Well, I am not knitting socks. I said, I tried that one because I didn't like it. She said, but it knits it in stripes and there's a free pattern. So that was it. I left with balls the wall because you don't turn down stripey socks and a free pattern. And, and, then, and then that was it. I've pretty much knitted socks ever since because I, I, I got the bug and that was it. 
That's wonderful. And where is that Entrelac jumper now? Oh, that Entrelac jumper is in the attic, in a box, very carefully kept in a box that says Christine's hand knits because I can't bear to throw away anything that I've ever knitted. And that includes the socks that I no longer wear. They just get retired. And then <laughs> um, I was never going to let go of this jumper, I think, because I, I I can just remember when I saw it in the window and it was it, it was it was almost like a cartoon, you know, with lights and, and music. You know, I probably had eyes on stalks looking at this jumper, so there was never going to rehome it to anybody else. But but I also kept one of the K Facet jumpers that, that that I knitted, and I was lucky enough to go and listen to him speak um, up, up the road. Uh, Black Sheep Walls uh, hosted a, a a talk by him a couple of couple of weeks ago, so I I, I wore my jacket. And, and, and went and I would, I've been in two minds whether to whether to do that or not because I thought I might be a bit shy and then I thought well no I, I always love it if people bring socks and say look what I can do so I thought yeah. I'm, going to, I'm going to take this jacket and 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 I was told it was vintage <laughs> now which makes me feel very old and I wasn't sure about that um but 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 I just felt great because I still had this jacket and and, and, it, and he said oh I remember that pattern it's nice to see it again and it was it was lovely and so maybe we should hang on to our hand knits a bit more often than we do what about the last thing you cast off that that was oh surprise that was a pair of socks um and it was, uh, and well, also there were two things that sort of got cast off about the same time. There was a pair of socks and a pattern called Arwen by um, Verity from Truly Hooked, and that was in Blacker Yarns Tamar. And I brought that, I brought those up and waved them to anybody who'd still still long enough at Edinburgh, and also and also um, Heartland Cliffs in the St Kilda Laceway, and, and I, I wore that as well for uh, for Edinburgh. And they were the last two things that I cast off, and then since then I've been been working on on, on socks and and stuff because because there'd been a real rush to get those finished. And now I can breathe again. Go, go a bit more slowly. <laughs> this is a, a, a tough one. But what about if there was one yarn and one pattern? Not necessarily that you have to use together, but that you would like to recommend or pass on to others and what is it about that yarn and that pattern that makes them so special thanks for asking that question <laughs> um well the pattern i i wasn't quite sh- i wasn't quite sure whether this would make me sound rather conceited but the pattern is is my pattern it's the basic sock along four ply sock and the reason is that i think that if you can knit a sock, it makes you fearless. Uh, so many people have told me that they've knitted for years, but they've never been brave enough to tackle a sock for, for any kind of reason. And now they can do it. it. It's just opened up a whole new world to them of things that they think that they, they can do, which is, is really lovely. And they're the perfect project for going anywhere. So, so because you can get some speed up on the needles because it's only quite small, then it's a really good meditative project. So they're absolutely fantastic if you're in hospital waiting rooms or waiting for children in after school clubs or waiting for them to come out of school or, or just anywhere where you can you just got a big enough pocket or a bag to stick one ball of yarn and this sock and I, I just I just think they're fantastic and I keep waiting for the day when I think ah oh, no I'm done with the sock I'm, I'm not it's it's not happening it, it I just think they're they're fantastic they can be simple they can be complicated but once you can do them 
then they feel like such an achievement because they're such a functional project as well that you can wear any time. You can make them somebody else quite easily without worrying about the fit particularly or whether the colour's going to change. And whereas a jumper will... will but for me, it's gone out of fashion by the time I've finished. Then they just take me that long. But it, it doesn't happen with the sock. And I think I think you're so right. I mean, it it's only been in the last year or so that I've knit socks, and it is absolutely revolutionary. You know, you can you kind of feel like I can do anything now. Yes, that, well, that that's exactly it. And I have people saying to me, "Well, why have you chosen a heel flap and gusset heel? That's not the easiest for beginners." Or why aren't you doing toe up socks? And I just say, "Well." This is how I do them, and I can explain it very well for you to do this. And once you understand how it works, then you can knit any kind of sock with any kind of heel and knit them from the toe, knit them from the cuff down. It, it doesn't matter. It's getting somebody to jump off the diving board into the water in the first because you can stand on the board and look down for as long as you like. When you take that jump, then it doesn't matter, does it? No, no, it doesn't. Uh, what about the yarn? Oh, well, this is this is with your permission where I'm going to cheat slightly because because I'm I'm going to go for a commercial yarn and also a no nylon sock yarn because your podcast is the reason that, that I got stuck into all of this anyway. So, um, um, and 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 also an article from Wovember, which was quite a long time ago, and and, and it's it was like finding a map, and it says, oh, go to this place, and then when you get to that place, you go, oh, and I'll go to this place. So it's it's been a it's been a bit of a, a scavenger hunt or a treasure hunt, if, if you like, and and there's no end to it, which is absolutely fabulous. So so the commercial sock yarn is West Yorkshire Spinners. I love West Yorkshire Spinners yarn. They're a nice company to the, the, to to deal with. They're lovely people there. I've been around the mill and seen how it works and and they they uh, british yarn which is fantastic use blue face luster it's a really good yarn for beginners so if anybody ever said to me where shall i start then i would always say go and have a look at this yarn it's great it just slips around the needle so it's really easy to, to knit with you know you know you're not you're not worrying about the yarn sticking because when when you start with a sock even if you're an experienced knitter then there's enough to think about anyway without worrying about the yarn that you've got so so without question my commercial go-to yarn for socks will always be West Yorkshire spinners but because I'm also now looking at no nylon sock yarn because the idea of, of having uh, yarn that just uses the the, the, the fibres from from and the fleeces from sheep to replicate the idea of nylon that's like some kind of magic but at the but at the same time it's traditional and people have done it for such a long time so where where have we lost this magic and, and and now I think with with uh, more interest in in British breeds and and with with um, um, manufacturing techniques and, and then we're able to, um, to 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 bring that out more and take more notice of what it is that we're doing and how we make blends and how it all works. So um, so I feel that if people are going to seriously consider these as an option um, and. I think that we should because I do worry about nylons and plastics and things in in, uh, in clothing and 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 the fact that that people in um, uh, in the industry and the government are already starting to say oh let's take the plastic out of face creams or let's take the plastic out of 
the sea with the bottles and, and so it's only a matter of time before people start to say let's take the plastic out of our clothing or let's take the plastic out of you know out of our yarns or, or, or whatever so I think we've got to be ready and it might be 20 years it might be 30 years but we have to be ready and know what we would do in that situation so by looking at no nylon yarns now and if that day ever does come then we can say right here's our alternative but for people to really take them seriously at the moment, I think that they've got to be comparable to the commercial yarns that we've got. And you know, commercial yarns are really easy to use. You can throw them in the washing machine. Sometimes you can throw them in the tumble dryer. They're, they're easy care. They're easy to knit with. And while some people might be um, very careful about, about their hand-dyed yarns and hand-wash them and all the rest of it, with, with, a, with something that's as functional as a sock, you just need to be able to mistreat it a bit sometimes, I think. So I am I am wading my way through uh, as many no-nylon sock yarns or, or ones that I think would be suitable for socks as I can find. Um, I've A couple of blacker yarns I've um, um, I've tried out already. Um the Pebridium mohair is fantastic. I went, that went round round Peru with my daughter last 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 summer. Um, but but I, um, I think they've got to be pretty indestructible if they, if they can be. So the one the one at the end of this very long preamble that I'm finally going to go for the one that I like at the moment is uh, from Northern Yarns and it's a Paul Dorset Lambswool. Um, when I first knitted with it, I was thinking, oh, not sure. It's not. It might be a bit scratchy. I don't know how some people are going are to feel about this. And I'm not particularly kind to these socks when when I've done with them. They go in the washing machine. They get. I'll wear them for a few days at a time. I'll really hammer them. I'll go out on long walks with the dogs. I, I, I just want to know how they're going to last. And this pole dorset lambswool sock has been in the washing machine at 30 degrees been in at 40 degrees it even made it into the tumble dryer by mistake for for a, a few minutes before i realized it was in there and you absolutely wouldn't know wow i'll tell you what happens the more that you wash it the fluffier it goes because the because when you first wear it then uh people who don't don't like scratchy yarns i think would go not sure i really like this but it the more i've washed it it's gone fluffier um it's gone softer. It's it's never going to be as soft as merino or anything like that because it's not it's not that kind of yarn, is it? But the stitch definition is fabulous. So I, I use this one for my, my cable sock tutorial. You can still see the cables beautifully. Um, I did a different kind of heel um, stitch, and it, it's not felted or, or, or fold. It's it's not wearing through. Um, it's great. I think it's really great. So, so, so whilst I'm still working on 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 this on this project, and so in six months' time, I might say to you, "Oh no, no, I I like this yarn better," or or I like another yarn today. I might the yarn that I would leave for other people to try out is is this one, Northern Yarn. That's lovely. Thank you so very much, and thank you for sponsoring Knit British in the podcast in this way. Oh well. I am so pleased to be able to to offer something back because it's been so useful to be able to come to your podcast and 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 and, and use it, use it as a springboard to go and find something else and you know and even when I've gone to look because I am particularly single minded and I only I'm, I only look at things in relation to how they might be useful for socks for so but I'll always go and have a look and I'll think oh what do we think about that socks maybe so it, it'll 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 go on my I'll go on my list and and um, but no that's been, it's been really useful so I am I am delighted to to do this thank you thank you so much you're very welcome
It's so funny that Christine mentioned the Northern Yarn Dorset Lambswool because that very morning, like literally just before I, I called Christine on Skype, I got a skein of that to review in the post. Not even joking, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's just so funny that, that that was the yarn that um, I had just received in the post and that was the yarn that she felt she wanted to leave for future generations. So perhaps we'll call on Christine again when it comes to talking about how, you know, when I review the yarn and, and I want to talk about how it wears because if she's making socks in it, that's a really good wear test, isn't it? Thanks so much uh, to Christine for her chat and her support in this episode of Knit British. And next month we'll meet April's Wooly Mucker, Alison. I've got a giveaway this episode, but first of all, I need to tell you that I drew the winning comment for the Black Isle Yarns Zvorbel and Cheviot uh, skein. And the random winner chosen at random by random.org how many times can we say random chosen randomly was neurotic bunny lady that's Eloise and uh, the very lovely skein should be with you now it was posted this week and I can't wait to see what you make with that Eloise Uh, but I have another giveaway for you you might remember a month or so ago maybe more than that uh, I told you about an anonymous lovely person who had given us a copy of Clara Park's Knitlandia as a giveaway. They had left it at Ginger Twist Studio in an envelope to say this was for a giveaway. And that was so incredibly kind of them. I will open up a prize thread in the Ravelry group uh, for you to win this book, which is awesome. I have uh, have a copy myself and uh, uh, Edinburgh Yarn Festival gets mentioned in there, as does Podcast Lounge, so... That was awesome. But it, it, apart from that, it's an incredible book. And Clara Parks is a wonderful writer. And um, it's a wonderful book to become immersed in feelings of community and travel and wonderful yarn. And um, it's it's a beautiful book. And I believe she's writing again. Um, so I can't wait to see what might be coming from Ms. Parks soon. If you want to win this book, you can go to the Knit British Ravelry group Please try not to chatter. I know it's difficult, but it makes it really hard to choose a win- winner at random when you do that. And, you know, so please, please don't chatter if you can. But in that thread, you are asked to tell us the yarn that you travelled furthest for. So what was the yarn and how far did you go for it? Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be a far-flung yarn that you travelled far to get it could be a yarn that you found whilst on holiday Um, (laughs) but uh, yes tell us that and I'll keep that open until oh I don't have it written down here let's keep it open until the 14th of April which I think is the next episode good luck And that's all for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Before I go, I need to tell you that the Knit British tote bags will be going on sale about Monday the 10th of April. I've got a few things to get clear first and then um, I'll be reopening the knitbritish.bigcartel.com shop. These are hand printed by Joy, uh, the knitting goddess, and... There are only about 50 of them, so I will be limiting you to purchases of no more than two, uh, unfortunately, just because it's a a limited edition thing. 
more on that next time. And next time I'll also be reviewing Croft 29 Hebridean Yarn and look out on the blog at nibbertish.net because in April we will also have an interview with them. They're sponsoring an episode of the show in April too. And also coming up in April, we have a chat with Kerry Kimber from Knitting for All and a visit to one of the Knitting for All classes taught in Edinburgh by Maddie Harvey. So come back next month for all that and much more. Until then, take very good care. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all your comments. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Knit British podcast. To find out more, visit www.knitbritish.net. You can email me louise at knitbritish.net. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at knit underscore British. And I'm on Ravelry as Lira. Good night, Take care of that throat.